Welcome to the Honest Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Glass. Sorry, I really need to sniff. And this is my <laughs> sniffly wife. Can we start over? No, we can't because we're, <laughs> we're honest about this podcast. We're not going to edit. Dadgummit. <laughs> Watch your language, young lady. This is PG. This is PG. That's PG friendly. <laughs> Anyways, this is my sniffly wife, Sarah. I don't know why she's so sniffly. She hasn't been sniffly all day, but suddenly she had sniffles. Oh, I was trying to hold it back, but then it was like, oh, it's too late. <laughs> Just don't cough into the mic this week. Oh. I did have to edit those out because I didn't want people to hear that in the middle of a conversation. Anyways, i got to teach a proper mic etiquette. So, in this podcast, we're going to have a lot of fun, and we're probably going to make some people mad because we are going to talk about the Bible. And and sometimes being honest makes people mad. (laughs) Sometimes it does. But we're going to talk about the Bible and politics. Scary. Everybody run. (laughs) So... I know politics can be a touchy topic. The first thing I'm going to say here is we are not talking about Republicans. We are not talking about Democrats. We are not talking about conservatives. We are not talking about liberals. This is strictly going to be what are the guiding principles given to us in Scripture that we should use as we approach politics as Christians. Mm -hmm. Now, we are Americans, so we are approaching this with a, well, we will be taking these principles and giving some examples based on American political things. Yeah. So if you're listening from another country, that's awesome. <coughs> Donde esta? Como esta usted? My Spanish is horrible. Let's not go with that one. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you're listening from another country, awesome. I'm sorry I just butchered that Spanish. My teacher from high school will be very offended with me. Um, but anyways... Please understand that this is taken from an American, these are going to be American issues. You may hear us talk about some of these things and go, man, you guys, we, we, we dealt with that like 50 years ago. Why is that a current events topic for you guys? Because America, okay? <laughs> so, anyways, let's start by looking at what Scripture says, what the Bible says about principles we can use to guide us through the murky waters of said politics. Mm -hmm. And then we'll look at some of these issues and take those principles and say, okay, how do these principles apply? Mm -hmm. Pretty straightforward, pretty simple. We don't want to give you our opinions in this podcast on politics because if you were just looking for political opinions, there's like 45 million podcasts out there of people you've never even heard of who want to tell you how to think about politics. Mm Personally, I don't want to be one of those people. I would rather say, here's what the Bible said, so let's see how that applies. Yeah. Because I'm human and I can be wrong, so why would you want my opinions? Anyways, moving forward, our first guiding principle, and it's probably for those of you who've been in church for a little while, you probably already thought of this because it's one of the few we have, um, but it's the concept of rendering to Caesar that which is Caesar's. So in Matthew 22... Verses 15 through 22, you can find this example. The Pharisees were trying to trip Jesus up. They said, Jesus, is it okay to pay taxes to Caesar? Because the Romans had taken over, Caesar Mm -hmm. was the new boss, and the Jews weren't terribly happy about it. Jesus was like, okay, well, uh, anybody got a denarius, which was the currency of the day? Anybody got a coin? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got one, Jesus. Okay, whose picture's on it? Caesar's. Okay, so give to Caesar what is Mm -hmm. Caesar's, and give to the Lord 
which, that which is the Lord's. Mm-hmm. Easy, simple answer. So he was telling them, you know, respect your governing authority and give them what they ask of you as long as, you know, it's okay. You know, in which taxes, I know many of us will not like this, but taxes are okay. So I know there's a lot of Christians who don't like paying their taxes. Guess what? Jesus said you have to. Nobody likes it. <laughs> so anyways, and that was the specific example there. But the principle yeah. is simply that. Respect Caesar's authority. Give him what he asks. And we'll look at another kind of caveat there here in a minute. But otherwise, you know, respect Caesar's authority. Mm-hmm. Um, next. And this is actually interesting because it's also in Matthew chapter 22, just a few paragraphs down. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this happened not long after Jesus gave us that first principle there, which is Matthew 22 verses 35 through 40 is the very famous, what are the two most important commandments? The first one, you know, Jesus answers by saying the first is to love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Mm-hmm. And the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. That was off the top of my head. That probably wasn't perfect. Well, you paraphrased but it. But I gave you the reference. Go read it if you don't believe me. Yeah. That's what he said. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we're going to focus on that because loving your neighbor, guess what your country is full of? Your country is full of your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Oh. So when you make a political decision that impacts everyone in your country, you're making a decision that impacts your neighbors. Mm-hmm. So you should probably ask yourself, would this change hurt my neighbors? If it's going to hurt my neighbors, is that a loving thing to do? So see how this is a very simple but yet very guiding principle mm-hmm. for figuring out what things may be politically acceptable and what may not. Right. So that's principle number two. Principle number three, and this is the caveat to that first principle, which is God's word takes priority over man's loss. Now, I said God's word here. Mm. I did not say God's will. There are a lot of people will tell you, well, God told me that his will is that I should dot, dot, dot. That's what crazy people say before they go shoot places up, you know, like that's. So I'm not concerned about, quote unquote, God's will, Mm -hmm. because everybody seems to say that they heard God's will for themselves. Mm -hmm. My concern is God's word, because we only have one copy of that. Granted, it comes in a couple different flavors but they all should feed back to the same Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic translations. Mm -hmm. So they should all be, for the most part, the same, regardless of whether or not you like the NIV flavor or the NASB flavor or the New King James flavor. Mm -hmm. If thus thou dost liketh thine old English, you know, (laughs) stick with the King James if that's your thing. Personally, I like the NASB. That's my thing. Um, Regardless, they all should be coming from the same source. Mm Mm-hmm. That being said, we see examples in Scripture where God's Word takes priority over man's laws. A great Old Testament example. There's two of them, and they were all friends. The first one was Daniel. He got thrown into the lion's den for refusing to worship the king. And then his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Mm -hmm. not long after that, got thrown into a fiery furnace for refusing to, you guessed it, worship the king. Mm -hmm. So, God's Word takes priorities. So if, the, if Caesar does happen to ask you to do something immoral, you do have grounds on which to say, I'm sorry, Caesar. I will take the punishment for this one. Kind of like truth or dare. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Truth or dare. Well, I'm not going to do that. So you're going to have to, you know, send me to jail. 
and we laugh about that, but that's happening in places like China like crazy, where mm-hmm. Christians are being confronted by the Chinese government. They're saying, you need to stop doing this, and Christians are like, no, yeah. I won't. And off they are taken. So that happens in other parts of the world. We should be very thankful that that kind of persecution isn't happening here. That we don't have to worry about somebody breaking into our home to take us away. But know this. God's word does take priority. The last thing I want to add to that, a fourth principle that we see in scripture, is that we do not get the option as Christians to violently retaliate against our governing authority should they begin to oppress us. If you don't believe me, read the New Testament. The Roman government did not like Christians. Mm. Ergo, they were killing them. Mm-hmm. The Christians never violently fought back against their governmental oppressors. Mm-hmm. In fact, Paul continued to encourage people to pray for their governmental leaders and to pray for change and to bless those who persecuted them. Right. In fact, if you don't believe me, read Romans chapter 8, just the whole stinking chapter, mm-hmm. or Romans chapter 12. Either one of those will talk about blessing those who persecute you and talk about the oppression and the fact that they were being killed and that was okay because even being put to the sword would not separate them from the love of God. So those are our four guiding principles. As Christians, we first render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Second, love our neighbor as ourself. And these are not in any kind of order of priority, Mm -hmm. but just how I was finding them in Scripture. Mm -hmm. Third, God's Word takes priority. And fourth, No violent retaliation by Christians when the church is oppressed. Mm. Does this mean Christians can can never partake in some kind of violent course of action, i.e. going to war and acting as a soldier? I don't believe that's the case. That's a topic for another time. Mm -hmm. Should Christians go to the battlefield? That is a topic for another time, another podcast. Be an interesting one. Mm -hmm. But as far as direct oppression to the church, Mm no. No. I don't believe that scripture ever says we're allowed to violently retaliate direct oppression to the church on the part of our faith. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that's anywhere in scripture. So anyways, if if you feel like I'm wrong on that one, feel free to email us and we'll give you our email at the end of the podcast and Mm -hmm. shoot me some scripture that says otherwise, but I've not found it. So with these principles in mind, we're going to take a few minutes to look at some political issues of our day. Some of them are a little bit older. Some of them are a little bit more commonly talked about, still Mm -hmm. talked about, um, presently debated in some cases. And we're going to look at these through the lens of these principles. So, Mm -hmm. again, this is not going to be my opinion. Mm. It's not going to be my lovely wife's opinion. Mm. It's going to be, here's what Scripture just told us. Here's our guiding principles. So, based on these guiding principles, what should we do here? And I'm not going to get terribly specific going to keep it simple because I believe that scripture is simple for a reason. When we start getting too nitpicky, we start running into issues. Yeah. So, the first one I picked was an easy one. Sort of. <laughs> um, this one tends to get some people very upset, and that is when we start talking about welfare programs. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who get very upset just hearing that. Yeah. Here's what I want to say. First off, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. If your tax dollars are being taken to pay for welfare programs that Caesar established, whose whose picture is on the money, Mm -hmm. 
you know, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, who are these guys? They're presidents. Okay. So Caesar's pictures on the money, you know, the words United States are printed across the top. Mm -hmm. It's Caesar's money. He's just taking it back from you. Caesar's allowed to do with it what he wants. So if Caesar says we're going to have welfare programs, we as Christians should say, okay, if that's what Caesar wants, then let's do it. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to do it, let's do it right. Mm-hmm. We as Christians should not be fighting the establishment of welfare programs, but rather asking, how can we make sure they're being done in a way that we are loving our neighbors right. as ourselves? Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I like the idea of social safety nets. If my children go out in the world someday and they're living on the other side of the country from me and they try their best, but maybe uh, something falls through, they lose their job, they get laid off. I like the idea that if I'm 1,500 miles away, they can walk down to a local unemployment office and uh, and get help if they need it. Or, you know, I mean, I like the idea of having social safety nets because it Mm -hmm. protects people I care about. I don't think that's wrong. No. Now, can it be done poorly? Absolutely. Mm. Are there people who will abuse these systems? Absolutely. Does that mean we shouldn't have these systems? I don't believe so. Because Mm -hmm. there's always going to be people, no matter what you do, who are going to try to abuse and cheat the system for their own benefit. Mm. Does that mean we shouldn't have it? No. It just means that we should do it well. And I would like to call that compassion with regulation. Mm. Let's find a way that we can love our neighbors but at the same time make the system unappealing to those who would abuse it, but still able to help those who need it. Yeah. Now, am I going to delve deeply into the specifics of what some of those regulations might be? Absolutely not. Those are the discussions we can have, though, and we should have as civil, cordial, loving, respectful people. Mm -hmm. But should we fight welfare programs from a principal standpoint and just say no welfare programs whatsoever? No, I believe that's wrong. If Caesar has said welfare programs, we as Christians should say, okay, Caesar, let's make them the best in the world Mm -hmm. to honor our God and King who calls us to give our everything to him. And you said there was was even an example of that in the Bible with Jesus and welfare. Uh, Well, Old Testament. Okay, that's Old Old Testament. Testament. God basically told the Hebrews, those of you who are landowners who have been blessed to be fortunate enough to own large tracts of property. When you harvest your fields at the end of the year, you're not allowed to harvest the corners. And as your harvesters go through the field, if they drop anything, you're not allowed to turn it, turn around and pick it back up. Hmm. So any wheat that was dropped, any you know whatever they were growing that got dropped, grapes off the vines, they yeah. weren't allowed to pick those up. Why? So that people who had nothing, people hmm. who were less fortunate, could walk onto that property pick up those grapes, pick up that grain, harvest the corners, and essentially feed their families. Mm. So those who had none had options available to obtain from those who were blessed abundantly. Mm. God established a welfare program with the Jews. Now, granted, do those people still have to work for that? Yeah, they still had to work for it. They had to go do the harvesting. Yeah. But the program was there. Yeah. So we can't act like welfare programs are completely unbiblical. God, it seems, was the first entity to establish welfare programs in recorded history. I don't, right. I don't know of any others older than the Hebrew culture. Mm. I could be wrong. That's the oldest example I know of. Mm. But yeah, welfare programs tend to cause a lot of debate, but should they? Should we as Christians really be so against them? Mm. Should we be acting like this? I believe the answer is no. And I believe that's what Scripture shows next big issue that tends to rile people up 
immigration. Ooh, scary. Let's be honest. <laughs> if it weren't for immigration, you wouldn't be hearing this podcast right now. Um, my Italian side of the family came over to the country about a hundred-ish years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad's side of the family, which is Pennsylvania Dutch, has been here quite a bit longer, but both sides of the family immigrated at some point. Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful with how we talk about immigration. Right. Just because it's not immediately impacting my life at this moment does not mean it didn't impact my ancestors mm-hmm. at some moment in time. That being said, again, back to these guiding principles. Has Caesar said we're going to have immigration as a country? Yes, Caesar mm-hmm. has said that. Great. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? Well, I think that proper vetting practices are okay. Mm-hmm. Because again, if somebody's trying to run away from some poor decisions they made in another country that have made them an outlaw, and they want to just hop the border and come here, that could make them a danger to my neighbors and yeah. my children and my family here. I don't want that. So I think a good vetting process, proper protocols to make right. sure that the people coming in are non-violent, are non-threatening, are not related to drug activity, are not trafficking human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good to have proper protocols to ensure people's safety. Mm-hmm. Why? Because caring about people's safety is a very loving thing to do. Mm-hmm. Now, can we go overboard with that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So as Christians, we should look at it and say, okay, what does loving my neighbor really look like in this situation? Because those immigrants are also your neighbor. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to make the process so long and tedious no one ever gets in because right. that's not loving to them and they are our neighbors. Yeah. But we don't want to make the process so quick and simple that we're overlooking potential threats that are now slipping into our society and harming our children and our loved ones and our neighbors. Mm-hmm. So it, I believe as Christians, we have to find that proper balance. Now, again, Caesar said, we're going to have immigration. So mm-hmm. the question isn't, as Christians, should there be immigration? The question to us as Christians is, how do we do immigration correctly? Right. And again, we get a lot of people who get upset when they hear the word immigration. I don't understand why. Because you're only here because of immigration. So we shouldn't be upset by this. We should be asking, how do we do it well? I think it's because we've not seen it done very well. And that, yeah, there's been a lot of very poor instances on all fronts mm-hmm. of immigration not being done well. But I think a lot of that happens because we're so busy fighting over it right. rather than sitting down again, respectfully, politely, and cordially sitting down at the table and asking, how can we do this? Well, what mm-hmm. is working? What isn't working? Yeah. What, are, what are some things we really can put our hands on and see how to do this? Well, yeah. um, so again, though, we want to render to Caesar what is Caesar's. So let's stop fighting about immigration and start asking how do we do it well mm-hmm. and follow those guidelines. The next thing we're going to look at through this lens is the First Amendment. We're getting a little constitutional on you now. <laughs> Many Christians are big fans of the First Amendment mm-hmm. until we start talking about people who aren't Christians. Mm-hmm. And I have seen this in the news and with people I know that I'm a big old supporter of the First Amendment. This is my right to be a Christian in this country. Okay, well, did you hear about the mosque going up down the street from your church? Yeah, I heard about them Muslims coming in trying to put up a mosque. I signed a petition to stop it. <laughs> okay, but when you guys built your church, did anyone you know, put up a petition to stop you guys from building your church? Well, no, we're Christians. It's our freedom. <laughs> First Amendment. 
Ah, double standards. Okay, so don't they have First Amendment rights? But they're Muslims. Freedom for all religions. So as Christians, we need to remember, loving your neighbor means if your neighbor has a different religious belief than you, Mm -hmm. they still get access to the same rights that Caesar has granted to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, this is when I see Christians oftentimes being the ones that are failing at. You know, you mm-hmm. don't often hear about a Buddhist group stopping Muslims from coming into their neighborhood yeah, and building yeah. a mosque. It's usually Christians who are behind the petitions. Yeah, so it's very sad. It is sad, and it really shows those individuals coming into that community that the Christians there don't love them. Mm. How blessed are we, you know, if you try to go to the Middle East and tell Middle Eastern folks about Jesus you're going to meet a lot of pushback. Mm. In fact, it could cost you your life. But here in the U.S., we have Muslims coming into communities. Man, the Christians should be walking them with open arms and saying, please come to our homes for dinner. We'd love to, t- to talk to you, get to know you better, right. build relationships with you because that's how we spread the gospel. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're going, get the heck out of our community. We don't want you here. Like, how is that it, it, yeah, going it, it, to... So, not <laughs> only are we not respecting Caesar by doing that... Yeah. We're undermining our call to spread the gospel. Mm -hmm. So First Amendment applies to everyone. And so how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? We ensure that everyone gets equal treatment under the First Amendment, Mm -hmm. regardless of their beliefs. Which leads me to our fourth (laughs) example, which is probably going to be the one that will upset people. Well, upset them even more. <laughs> yeah, it, they're you know. boiling with anger as they I continue hope to no listen. No one is boiling at anger with <laughs> this point. I haven't really talked about anything super. Boy, I can't wait to email these people. <laughs> but here's the fourth one, and the fourth one is going to ruffle some feathers. The fourth one is gay marriage. Now, some people are going to immediately go, "Oh no." He probably thinks it's not a sin to be gay. I can already hear the people rolling their eyes. <laughs> Actually. Yes, it's a very <laughs> loud eye roll. <laughs> Actually, I believe that Scripture is quite clear on the teachings of mm-hmm. homosexuality and says quite clearly that it is, unequivocally, a sin. Mm-hmm. That being said, Caesar said that gay people have First Amendment rights protected under the law. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if gay people want to get married, they have a right to do so and if I am to love my neighbors, who might happen to be gay, mm-hmm. as I love myself, I do not want my First Amendment rights repressed. Therefore, I should not oppress their First Amendment rights. Now, I am an ordained minister. I have married people. Mm-hmm. I have not married gay people because that goes against my religious beliefs. Mm. See how that works? I have the freedom to decline to do the wedding. They have the freedom to do the wedding. Mm-hmm. That's how the First Amendment works. That's how we love our neighbors as ourselves. So, should gay marriage have been legalized in the United States? I would say, absolutely. I remember the debates as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I remember believing as a kid, based on, you know, my kid level of thinking, oh, this is so wrong. Now, as an adult, I look back. Mm -hmm. And having viewed this through the, the proper lens of Scripture, I go, no. As a nation, it is only fair keeping in tune with our First Amendment of the Constitution, that these people were allowed to have this privilege, this right, because it's guaranteed to them by our Constitution. Does that make it acceptable in God's eyes? No. 
But it doesn't affect us as Christians. But yeah, it doesn't affect me as a Christian if someone down the street who is gay gets married. Mm-hmm. So, again, I'm loving my neighbor as myself. I want to be able to get married. I want my children to be able to get married. So, why wouldn't I let my neighbor get married? Right. Again, it's their decision, not mine. Mm-hmm. I'm not sinning. And yes, it's legal. This doesn't make it right. There are other examples of things in this country that are legal that are not necessarily moral. Right. But also just because... <coughs> oh, excuse me. I did it again. <laughs> Sorry, you'll have to edit that out. <laughs> that one wasn't too bad. Okay, what I was going to say is... Um, well, it, you know, if, it's that, if that's their belief, you know, mm-hmm. it's... If they're not a Christian, then, I mean... We can't hold them to the standards of which we believe. Exactly. In fact, the Bible does say, don't attempt to hold non-believers to the standards that believers hold because to them it's foolishness. Mm -hmm. And rightly so. Mm -hmm. I mean, if there is no God and we go around telling people, oh, you should live a monogamous lifestyle with a single person who is your spouse, it turns out there's no God. As Paul said, I'm the greatest of all fools. Why? Because we've been missing out on all the fun, right? <laughs> I could be out there, you know, with a bunch of different gals having a blast. But I'm not. I'm I'm strictly with my spouse. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that's the correct way to live. I believe that's what God has said is right. Mm-hmm. And I want to honor what God has said. Mm-hmm. So for me to turn around and tell someone who's not a Christian, who doesn't believe in God, who doesn't have any intentions of honoring God, that they need to honor God with their actions, that's going to be silly to them. Because they don't believe it. And the Bible says we shouldn't expect them to live by those standards because they don't believe in God. It's a no-brainer, you know? So... Uh, I think there is one more thing that is important to mention as far as uh, homosexuality. Um, because people tend to... Even the um, there are Christians who do believe that homosexuality is not a sin... Um, I, I believe they often go to the Old Testament and they, they start using, you know, how they, people have cherry picked things from the Bible, like, oh, well then we shouldn't be wearing this. And we talked about this on mm-hmm. the last podcast or two. Um, I think it was when we did the tattoos one. Yeah. yeah. Um, they like to use the same thing and say, well... Uh, if homosexuality is wrong, we also shouldn't be doing this along the list. But, like you said in our first podcast, um, God re- God repeats um, in the uh, New Testament mm-hmm. something that was mentioned in the Old Testament and should still be followed if he says it in the New Testament, right. which he never said any of the other things. Right. But homosexuality was mentioned, so that is still true, that homosexuality is um, still a sin. Right. And that's uh, that may be the subject for another podcast right. where we can do a more in-depth dive into Scripture and look at what is what does the Bible actually say? What are the actual mm-hmm. words being used? How do we translate those? There's arguments that people say, oh, well, the word homosexual has been translated that way. It doesn't actually mean what we take it to mean as in, in a modern sense. And we can look at those arguments and we can look at those discussions mm-hmm. another time um, in another podcast. Yeah, because it a, it's, a, it's a much bigger 
topic. We can't just sum it all up in like such a short time. Something deeply impacts people. Right. We should always give it a good, solid look. Yeah. Because. And we're not saying that we hate people who are gay. No, no. By all means, um, I mean I'm advocating for their legal rights in this country right now, and saying that that advocation is biblically accurate and supported. Right. So I'm not saying what they're doing is by God's standards correct, Mm -hmm. but they are legally allowed to do it and should be protected. Mm -hmm. And anyone who attempts to retaliate against them for that lifestyle should be punished according to Caesar's laws because Caesar says it's protected. Mm -hmm. So I know that probably will not sit well with some people. Right. Um, we can't always make everyone happy. <laughs> but and that's the thing. Scripture isn't concerned with making us happy. Scripture yeah. said, here's the guidelines. Here's the rules we play by. Follow them. You know, right. God said, here are your guiding principles. Follow them. And that's kind of what we feel like God gave us for some very simple and clear guidelines for navigating political issues like these. Mm-hmm. But we have to follow them or they don't work. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like a if we look back for the last few decades, there's a lot of Christians who haven't bothered to follow these kinds of guidelines that were given to us. Mm-hmm. And it's made the church look, let's just be honest, look awful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's caused a lot of people to walk away from it because they feel like we're uncaring or we have no compassion, no heart for the hurt or the broken or the lost. Um, and in some regards, They're right. I have definitely met some Christians who just have zero compassion for others simply because they vote differently or believe differently than them. Mm. And I don't think that's biblically accurate at all. I don't even know if I could call somebody like that a Christian anyway. Yeah, I mean, considering Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, if you're going to hate somebody, then that's the exact opposite of what Jesus told you to do. Yeah. So we have to be very mindful of keeping these principles at the forefront because scripture is as Christians, how we have to approach everything. If we're not approaching it from a biblical viewpoint, we're approaching it from a human viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And that's not how God has asked us to operate. Mm -hmm. So there you have it. Um, The politics, politics and the Bible, Bible and politics, however I phrase that at the start. And just keep in mind, I'm human. If I said something wrong in this podcast. Or if I did. <laughs> or if my wife did. Or you feel like we both did and we're both heretics and we're both going to, you know, wearing a handbasket. <laughs> trying to keep it Don't PG. Don't forget, we, we plan on making more podcasts that'll address each issue deeper. Yeah, we will We will have some podcasts addressing things more deeply. Yeah. But if you feel like uh, maybe we said something that was incorrect, mm-hmm. you can reach us at the honest Christian at yahoo.com. Again, that's thehonestchristian at yahoo.com. And let us know what you think we said that may have been biblically inaccurate. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, if it's a podcast-worthy response, you might hear it in the podcast. If Mm -hmm. it's something we feel like maybe should be directly handled via email, you'll hear from us via email. Mm -hmm. Um, If you were listening and thought, wow, I've never heard anyone say anything like that. And that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Feel free to send us a, a, you know, an email maybe with your story and some of your experiences. And mm-hmm. 
if you're a non-believer and you're hearing us say this and you think, wow, these actually sound like Christians I think I could get along with. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, feel free to keep listening and I hope we keep sounding like people you actually could get along with. Feel free to shoot us a message and say thanks for being real. Thanks mm-hmm. for being honest. Um, but again, the, this is a, this is our attempt to look at what the Bible says and to try to apply it to our lives in a way we feel is accurate. Mm-hmm. Because that's the best we can do. Yeah. Is to take the Bible, try to understand it and apply it and do our best as followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Will we get it right all the time? Absolutely not. Did we get it right this time? I feel like it was pretty, pretty straightforward. I so. so I would <laughs> I think we got it right. Yeah. But if you feel like we didn't, let us know why. And please don't just send me an email that's basically along the lines of you're wrong because <laughs> If you can't support it biblically. If, if you can't give me something <laughs> substantial, then you're wasting your time emailing me. Like, and, and I'd say that to be nice because I don't yeah. want you to waste your time. Right. I feel like apologetics, and, and maybe our next podcast should be on apologetics. Hmm. Because yeah. I feel like it's really a lost art. People today just want to argue. They don't actually want to dig into scripture. Mm-hmm. I see that a lot amongst Christians. Yeah, Fun little back Especially and forth. Especially on social media. Oh, man. <laughs> Not saying social media is evil. <laughs> Just saying that we still have to be respectful and polite when using it. Mm-hmm. And logic still applies on social media. Yeah. Just because you see a video on YouTube about the earth being flat doesn't mean it's true. Oh, I hear another podcast. <laughs> Should we do one on flat earthers? That could be kind of fun. I'll have to do some homework because they've got a lot of crazy theories yeah. and I just can't keep up. I didn't know it, but apparently there are some Christians who think that um, the earth is flat. So And they, they try to use biblical supports for that one. So yeah, maybe yeah. we should do a podcast on that. It's Anyways, don't want this to run too long. Yes. Thank you for listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. We rambled there a little bit at the end. Feedback can be sent to, again, thehonestchristian at yahoo.com. Why not Gmail? Because Google is evil. <laughs> And it no, was taken. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Anyways. Or, no, it isn't. And then, yes, it was taken, the name. <sighs> My wife, she has to put up with so much. Pray for her, everybody. Pray for her. <laughs> bless her, Lord. Bless her. Bless uh, my husband. Y'all have a great night, you hear. And we'll catch you next time right here on Granny's Front Porch. Stop that. <laughs> Peace out, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>